0: Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome uh, all of you online joining us as well. Glad you can be with us. Uh, in case you missed last week, we began a brand new series. We're going through the back half of the book of John. Now here's the thing. We, we did half of the book of John last summer. We're doing half of it this summer. So we started in chapter 12 last week. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go online catch that because we did some highlights from the first half of the book of John to give context to everything we're saying so that uh, you understand what's happening. So we're gonna be in chapter 13 this week, if you wanna find that in your Bible, John chapter 13. Uh, but just a couple other things first. Um, I, I wanna tell you, man, I was so proud of our student ministry team on um, Wednesday night. We had uh, all middle schoolers and high schoolers who showed up here, and we had 180 students. Who, it, just, it was amazing, right? So it's just like one of those things where it's one of those moments where you just like you see something that God is doing, and he's been moving in our students and in our children's ministry, like some really, really cool things are happening. And uh, this is promotion weekend for the little ones, and so they move up to the new grades, they move up to their new class and all that, and some of the fifth graders going into sixth grade are getting kicked out, and they have to come in here with us, and they're like, ugh. But... They'll like it. They'll like it. Besides, you know, you get a towel when you come up here sometimes. You never know, right? So anyway, that, that's one thing. The other thing i got to tell you, this is, this is ahead a little bit. I'm a little early on this, but I'm super stoked about our August series. We're going back to at the movies in the summer. And I'm going to tell you, we've actually already been recording. We've been working on them now so they'll be ready in August. So a lot of work goes into these things, but in case you don't know, this is the way it works. We show movie clips from famous movies like Back to the Future is one of the ones we're doing this summer, and uh, we're gonna show that. We do some teaching moments, and we go back and forth from the movie to teaching moments, but we package it all like one movie, and uh, you all get to come and bring your friends and invite them. The thing about the movies, because of all the copyright issues, you have to be here in person, either Thursday night or Sunday to see these. Uh, Online, uh, we'll still have good stuff for you, but it won't be this. Uh, But we are working on this for August. It's gonna be so much fun. And the one thing for those of you who've done this with us in the past, so we haven't done one in August since before COVID, right? So we used to always do them in August. And then this last year we did some at Christmas time, which was a lot of fun, but we're gonna go back to the summertime. We like the August kind of scene and what's going on there. And um, what we typically would do is we would have uh, like the series and then the last one would be Family Week. This time, the very first weekend of August, uh, what would that be third through the sixth? That first weekend is gonna be family weekend. So all the little ones come in here. We all do it together. And that movie's gonna be in Canto. We're doing that one together. And we're working on that. That's, it's all gonna be great. Anyway, I just wanna give you a heads up about that. That's still a ways off. But we're working on it now. So it's been on my brain. I wanted to share that with you. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so we're in this series where, oh, Wrong way, wrong way, I'll get, I'll get to him in a second. Um, we're in this series, and uh, one of the things I wanted to do this week is I really wanted to um, talk about what does it, what does it look like uh, to belong, right? And so I was just thinking, like, we wear jerseys. I, I've got a bunch of Broncos jerseys, but I got this Dodgers jersey, I got some other ones. Um, I was like, when we wear a jersey, it just feels like we belong. You, know, you you run into somebody in town, they got a jersey on, you know, they're gonna say stuff like this. Even in the off season, hey, guess who we just drafted? Hey, guess who we just picked up from another team, right? And then during the season, it's like, oh, we, we killed them, right? Or, oh, we had it, and then we blew it in the last second. It's very personal. Like, there's a sense of ownership when it comes to wearing a jersey. Like, one, one time we went to a hockey game. It's the first time I ever went to a hockey game and I gotta admit, I don't understand hockey. At least I didn't until I saw it live. And I loved it live. Like we were way up, we were right above the roof. I and mean, that's how far up we were, we were way up there. But you could, like you could understand the whole thing, how it worked and flowed. But I felt like we were the only ones without a jersey. Didn't feel like I belonged. But you go to a professional game or a college game, like you put your jersey on, like that's we, like we're, we're in this together, right? And. Uh, I was just th- thinking a lot about the, the importance and the power of belonging. I'm gonna come back to that. But the reason I wore this jersey, Clayton Kershaw, the reason I wore this jersey, I got this a few years ago, and I, I, all, all transparency, I'm not, huge, I'm not a huge Dodgers fan. I'd probably root for the Angels if I had a choice, but I'm not a huge baseball fan either, so sorry, I'm just like, ah, whatever. But I got this free, and uh, they said I could choose any jersey I wanted. I said, Kirk Gibson. And I said, current player. And I said, Clayton Kershaw. It was like, it was a no-brainer for me, right? So I got this, and I was, I was really happy to have it. In fact, the game I was at where they gave this to me, uh, we got to sit in a suite. We got to eat food. I mean, it was just like, I didn't know people lived like that. I was like, well, this is cool, right? So I was, yeah, that was all one big package deal I got to be a part of, and it was all free to me. So thank you, Jesus. That was awesome, right? But the reason I'm wearing Nisters in particular is because if you've been paying attention to anything that's been going on, the Dodgers have been a little bit of hot water lately. And it has to do with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence that they invited back for this next, this, this month, a game next weekend. And uh, these, these guys dress up like women. They dress up like nuns. They make fun of God. They mock God. They mock Jesus. They mock the Catholic Church, among other things. And so some of the Christian players on the Dodger team literally had a meeting when this came out. And I I, I suppose there's like several options on the table. How are we gonna deal with this? And Clayton Kershaw spoke up and he said, as Christians, we need to love everyone well. And then he said this. This is just so good. He says, I think in these situations, instead of maybe criticizing or trying to find something wrong with a group, it's better just to focus on what you do believe in, Kershaw said. For me, that is Jesus. So I think that was our best response. So instead of boycotting a game, I guess that was on the table. Some of the players had talked about that. They said, no, you know what? Let's just focus on the upcoming Christian family night we have on July 31st. So they're gonna focus their energies on that instead. That was a choice they made. And I was proud of him for the way he did it, for, for the respectful way he did it, uh, but, but the way he still continued to stand on his conviction. So that's why I wore this one in particular. But like I said, like jerseys make us feel like we belong, you know? It's a, it's a symbol of belonging. But what's the symbol for belonging to Jesus? Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's very different. It's very different. In fact, let me give you a quick kind of timeline of what's going on. Jesus, in chapter 13, is under a very strict, intentional timeline. Okay, catch this. Since and ever since, God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, God has for now hundreds of years been teaching them the value of what Jesus' sacrifice on the cross ultimately would mean. And so now it's Passover. Jesus knows he's gonna be the sacrificial lamb at Passover. He knows the cross is about to happen. He knows this stuff. So that's what's going on in John chapter 13. In fact, everything we're gonna look at for the next five, six weeks happens in one night. Most of it happens at what we call the upper room. And then we go out and Jesus is arrested. This is all the same night though. So in John 13, the Passover's coming. He's having that meal. This is where he institutes the Lord's Supper. All of this is going on. But so much happens in these next six chapters. And uh, I think we're gonna get a lot out of this. So we're back in our series final instructions. Here we are in chapter 13, verse one. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come, to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. Now, this is the word that they, they chose to translate this here but I would just say this. We know it was the end to end because in just a few more days he's gonna walk out of the grave, right? But it's like, it's the, maybe the better word would be the fulfillment. Like he, he loved them all the way through his mission to, to fulfillment and then he's gonna rise from the dead, then he's gonna go back to heaven, all of that, but this is what's going on. Now, let me, let me just set another scene for you. Uh, years ago, my wife and I had the privilege, uh, I, I not only get free jerseys sometimes, uh, we had the privilege of staying at the Ritz-Carlton like dirt cheap. Her brother worked there. And I'm not joking when I say we could stay there for $75 a night. So we did, we did. And the Ritz-Carlton Laguna Niguel is absolutely amazing. It's beautiful. I have no idea what it costs per night now, but even back then, it was pretty spendy, several hundred dollars for a basic room. One time, um, we, we, we had got there, we, we decided to go for like three nights, and we, we, we asked him, is there any way we could upgrade to a special room? So he found out there was a suite available. So we were paying, I think that time, we were paying like 100, 125 a night. And he says, okay, I got a suite for you. It was a corner suite. We had a living room and a dining room and two bathrooms and a huge bedroom and two balconies, you know, that overlooked the ocean. We were living large, let me tell you why. You know, it's just like, even though we know, like we didn't like belong there, it's like, Whoa, did we enjoy that. Like somebody else parks your car and somebody else carries your bags and somebody else like cooks your food and somebody else serves you the food and somebody else cleans up after you and picks up after you. And the whole time, you're just cruising around in this big, luxurious, soft, very expensive robe. You just stroll out on the balcony in the morning in your robe. I mean, nothing says like you've arrived like a stinking expensive robe at a luxurious hotel where everybody serves you, right? Well, that's what we think arriving looks like. But that's not our Jesus. In fact, he literally takes everything like that that we think is the way it works and he flipped it on its head, right? He says, I don't want you just to love your friends. I want you to love your friends. Enemies, like what? No, in in order for you to be first, you have to be, yeah, and if you wanna find your life, you have to lose it. it. Like everything was backwards for you. Everything was upside down for Jesus. And so he literally comes to this time where he's gonna be not only like teaching them the the value of this ongoing memorial we call the Lord's Supper, which we just celebrated. The other other disciples, the other gospels spend more time on that. John spends more time on this other stuff that happens that night. And one of the things that he talks about, he, he leads into it without giving us some of the backstory, but Luke does. So I want you to see this in Luke. This is Luke chapter 22, verse 24. Then they began to argue, who's they? The disciples. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Okay, this is happening. Now, by the way, this has happened before, and Jesus corrected them then. So what happens again, John just didn't even say that. He just moves right in to what's happening in John chapter 13. And what Jesus is gonna do is gonna profoundly rattle their cages. So again, the symbol of belonging to Jesus is not a jersey, unless you have a Team Jesus shirt on. I saw somebody come in with one tonight. There, there she is over there, I love that shirt. I told her, I like your jersey more than mine. So team Jesus, okay. But, but he doesn't have like a, a jersey for us. Like the symbol is not a jersey. The symbol is not a robe. The symbol is, what do you think? A towel. Everybody got a towel tonight. These aren't like terrible towels in Pittsburgh or nothing like that. These are just really stupid cheap towels. But they're clean and they're brand new, okay? So we didn't hand out dirty ones. But they're just common like garage rags. That's what they are. But they're towels, this is the symbol of what it means to follow Jesus. And I wanna show you how as we work our way through in John chapter 13. So just think of it this way. You know, if, we, if we truly follow Jesus, here's the first thing. We're gonna serve difficult people. We're gonna serve difficult people. So let's, let's look at the story. John chapter 13. He says, it was time for supper and the devil had already prompted son of Simon Iscariot, that's Judas, to betray Jesus, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So like, Jesus is not mistaken. He knows who he is, right? He's God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel, he had around him. That's why this is a symbol of what it means to belong to Jesus. Like sometimes we, we look at it like this way, right? You go to one of those hooty-fluty kind of restaurants, they come around, who is it? This is the guy who's gonna serve you. The towel is a symbol of service. That's what it is, that, that's, that's what it means. But get this, in these verses it says what he does, But later in this chapter, Jesus predicts that Judas is gonna betray him. At the very end of the chapter, he predicts that Peter is gonna deny him three times before the rooster crows. Now track with me on this, this is so big. Jesus knew at the table who was gonna betray him and he washed Judas' feet anyway. He knew who was gonna deny him and he washed Peter's feet Anyway, he knew within just a few hours, all of them would abandon him when he gets arrested and he washed all their feet anyway. But Jesus. And I think there's gonna be times in our life if we're gonna follow Jesus, we're gonna serve some difficult people. Maybe people who don't agree with us, and maybe people who think differently, and maybe people who give us a bad time I don't know the scenario. I just know to follow Jesus means I'm willing to serve whoever he puts in my path. And I need to be willing to do that because that's what honors him. That's what shows I belong to him. There's gonna be times we serve, and, and here's the thing. We're not gonna get anything in return. Like, what did Jesus get in return for washing Judas's feet? Nothing. And you could say, well, yeah, but he, he taught Peter a lesson and Peter eventually would repent and return to him. Yeah, there's some really good things. But, but these guys in this room arguing over who's gonna be the greatest just got like a master class in serving and what it means to be a part of the kingdom of Jesus. And here's the thing, I don't want you to miss this either. Jesus did the same thing for you and me. He went to bat for you and for me, even when we're difficult. Romans 5, verse 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still messed up, while we were still difficult. He came and served our greatest need by going to the cross for us. That's what he did for us. Another thing about this, when we truly follow Jesus, we see a need and we meet it. We see a need and we meet it, right? So sometimes we we look at these things and it's not our culture, so we don't maybe totally understand. Some of you have been around church long enough, you know. But in case you don't know, here's the question. Like, why was he washing their feet to start with, right? We don't do that. And we don't for a lot of reasons. Like we have shoes and socks and sidewalks and cars. and We don't show up at somebody's house and our feet are filthy like they did. Everywhere they walked, there was like dirt paths, dirt roads, and they had open-toed sandals. Their feet got dirty. They could be clean, but their feet got dirty. And so when you went to somebody's house, whoever was the lowest servant on the totem pole, like whoever's like the the least of all the servants, that's the one who would just kick into action. You came into their home, that person knows, this is my job, I'm the lowest servant. servant, here I come. And so they would come and they would wash the feet of the guests. And you look around the room during the the Last Supper, you look around the room in in this upper room and apparently there's no servants. And then Jesus, the Word, capital W, we talked about that last week, the one who created everything, the one who holds everything together, he gets down from the table, wraps a towel around himself and washes the feet of his disciples. By the way, there is no discussion in John chapter 13 about which spiritual gift Jesus was using when he did that. I think there's value in understanding my spiritual gifts, understanding what I'm truly, really good at so that I can, I can excel, I can do my best to honor God with my life. I wanna know like, how he's wired me so I know where he's pointed me, you know? But there's no discussion here about that. This is just, you just serve. You see a need? you mean it. Sometimes I think we actually use our spiritual gift tests to get out of work, right? Like somebody says, hey, we're doing a cleaning day this week. And you're like, well, cleaning is not my spiritual gift. Sorry, I, I'm not able to help. We're gonna be pulling weeds. Yeah, well, pulling weeds is not my spiritual gift. You know, it's like, um, yeah, I think just serving like Jesus might be more important. So we grab our towel and we get to work. That's what, that's what we have to do. That's what we need to do, right? Listen to this. And this is Jesus talking. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now, again, this is a cultural thing for them. And so, yes, maybe in another setting, they would would literally get a bowl of water and a towel and they start washing. In our culture, that's not necessarily maybe the most appropriate way to serve. But what we have to figure out is, what is the need so that we can meet it? Jesus just looks around the room and goes, you know what? Nobody's washing anybody's feet. I'll do it. And when you go into work, like, when you go, when you, I know school's out now. I'm sorry to even bring it up for some of you. You know, it's like, but when you go into those places, like, and if you see a need, it's like, maybe God opened your eyes to that need so you could meet it. It doesn't matter about your spiritual gifts. It's like, there's a way to serve, serve. Grab your towel and get to work. That's what we need to do. I love William Barclay. Uh, I, he's, you know, he wrote years and years and years ago, but I really like the way he captures some of these things. He says, just at that moment, when he might have had the supreme pride, he had the supreme humility. Love is always like that. Think of the humility for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If anybody deserved to be served, it was him. And yet, what did he say about himself? Hey, I didn't come to serve. I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. That's why I came, that, that's why I showed up. I've got a longer quote from a guy named Scott Peck. I wanna read the whole thing, just hang in there with me because this is, this is powerful. He says, until that moment, the whole point of things had been for someone to get on top, and once he had gotten on top, to stay on top or else attempt to get farther up. But here this man, already on top, who was rabbi, teacher, master, suddenly got down on the bottom and began to wash the feet of his followers. In that one act, Jesus symbolically overturned the whole social order, hardly, I mean, hardly comprehending what was happening. Even his own disciples were almost horrified by his behavior. That, that last line got me. That last line got me. And isn't that the reaction when you read the whole thing? It's like, what are you doing? I mean, you're well, What are you doing? And Jesus just says, I've given you an example that I want you to follow. That's, that's what I'm doing. One of my friends, his name is Tim Liston. He he shared this prayer once. I don't know if it was if he wrote it or if he found it somewhere, but I but I love this simple little prayer. It goes like this Lord, help me to do big things as if they are little because I do them with your power. And help me to do little things as if they are big because I do them in your name. Amen. You know, the towel, it doesn't matter if it's a big thing or if it's a small thing. But remember, humility was the key to Jesus in this scene. Like the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, humility was a thing that got him on the floor and washed his disciples' feet. And so as we think about that, just think about this. Many of us in the church, humility is a tough thing. Maybe maybe we walk in. We we want to be noticed. We want to be recognized. Like maybe maybe it really bothers us because somebody parked in our spot. Like somebody sat in my chair. Like humility doesn't come naturally to most people. It really doesn't. It's something we we have to work on. Humility is the key. And just, again, Jesus shows us the way. So here's one more thing. When we truly follow Jesus, we serve for a lifetime. For a lifetime. Our missionary community is real simple. Stepping in, building up, living out. We wanna help people step in, begin a relationship with Jesus, build that relationship up, and live that out like seven days a week. Stepping in, building up, living out. And one of the ways that we would talk about is like, we, we want people like from community who call themselves community, like this is your home church. We want you to help somebody else now step in. So part of the way you serve them is, is introducing them to Jesus and, and then getting them into a group and then showing them and, and serving alongside them. Like all those things we do, it's, it's a way that we serve the next person in line, the next person who's coming in, the next person who's finding out about Jesus. We, we wanna do that. And, and it should the longer we're with Jesus, the more naturally it should come. Um, what do baseball players do? <laughs> they play ball. What do carpenters do? They build things. What do teachers do? Oh, school's out. Never mind. No, they teach. What do followers of Christ do? They serve. By the way, tennis players serve too. That's a that's a different thing. Anyway, no. Followers of Christ serve. And so every one of you have been given a towel. And and I know it's just, it's small. It's kind of rinky-dink. It doesn't, it's not really, it's not like an attractive thing. But I'm gonna challenge you to put it somewhere where it will remind you to serve. Maybe hang it on your bathroom mirror so as you're getting ready in the morning, you see that. And just remind, I'm gonna be a servant today. Maybe you, you put it on the door on the way out to your garage so you just, you know, when you leave, Hey, remember, we're gonna be a servant today. Maybe put it in your car, so wherever you go, you're just aware of the fact you're a servant. Like, use this towel as like the challenge. This is, this is what symbolizes my belonging to him. I'm willing to serve like him. But he says, this, this servant thing is not just a one-time thing, he's, he's challenging us, he's inviting us, when he says, follow my example, he's saying, I want you to serve for a lifetime. This is a lifetime thing, but here's what we do. Jesus called us to a lifetime of service, but sometimes we think he meant serve us. You know what I mean? Hey, have you been to the latest weekend serve us? No, everybody knows this is how you spell it, but this is what we think, right? In fact, we get in our car, and you're gonna do this. When you leave, you're gonna leave, and you're going, you know what, I give that one a seven. And it's like, it was was solid. Um, Wasn't as funny as he sometimes is. And they ran out of ice cream right before I got mine, so I'm going to give it a seven. It was good, but it was a a serve us. You just came for what you got. But he calls us to a life of service where we continually give to others. Again, what did he say? Here it is, one more time. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Do as I have done to you. It's not about washing feet, it's about serving and being willing to do the least of things. Whether somebody's watching or not. Whether someone's watching or not. Richard Foster, in the book, he calls Celebration of Discipline. So in Celebration of Discipline, it's an older book, but I, I've reread this book several times. He, he talks about different things that we do to help us become more like Christ. And there's, there's disciplines that we apply to our life. One of the disciplines he talks about is service. And the reason he talks about it is he says, because it doesn't really come naturally to most of us. We want other people to serve us. I, I have said this multiple times in my adult life. I'm not proud of it. But after church, on a Sunday, my wife will say, where are you want to go eat? And I say, I want to go somewhere so somebody's going to serve me. I don't want to stand in line and order my food. I want somebody to come and take my order. Like, I don't have to go up and get my own drink. I want somebody to bring me a drink. I'm tired. Wah. I want somebody to serve me. And then I, I, it comes out of my mouth. And I'm like, man, I sound like an idiot. But I've said it more than once. Yeah, I'm tired on a Sunday. Just, I want to go where I can be served. That's, that's the natural thing for us. We want to be served. No, Jesus calls us to a life of service. That's what he calls us to. Man, it's so good. So Richard Foster, anyway, I brought him up. I'm going to say what he says. He says, large tasks require great sacrifice for a moment. Small things require constant sacrifice. I mean, just think about how true is that? Like sometimes we'll, we'll do a big serve event. And so we'll, we'll get... You know, a couple hundred people at one location or at multiple locations on the same day. We'll do a big serve event. The last one we did was up at the Ramona Bowl just a couple months back. It's their 100th anniversary. We wanted to serve our community. We found out it's their 100th anniversary, so we went up there to clean and pull weeds and paint and, and whatever they needed us to do. We took over 100 people up there, just made that place look amazing, it looked so good. I was so proud of our, our church, our family, for what everybody did, it was, it was so cool. And then it was like one of those things, it required great sacrifice for one, like half day on a Saturday. And there was preparation to do it, all this, right? but it's the everyday stuff. It's even harder. You know, we can rally the troops. Hey, we're gonna go serve, and everyone goes, yeah. Hey, are we gonna get my picture in the paper? It's like, wait, wait, no, that's not the point of this either, right? The, the big events, sometimes they have all kinds of pulls on us because of the motives. It's the small things that require constant sacrifice, like serving your, your spouse. Serving your kids, serving your parents. Like those those daily things. Serving somebody at work, that's an absolute pinhead. I don't know, there's other ways to describe people. That just popped in my head, right? That person is annoying. They're not just annoying to you. Everybody feels the same way about that person. But what if you just help them out one day? Like, it's a small thing, but it requires like constant sacrifice, constant attention, keeping our eyes open, keeping our towel ready. Because God might just want to do something through your life that's going to touch somebody else's life. And here's the beauty I mean, like the serious beauty of serving it lays a foundation of credibility. Let me say this again serving lays a foundation of credibility so that when we talk to somebody else, about Jesus, like we say, hey, by the way, we're doing this special movie thing in August, I think you would love it, why don't you come with me? If you've never done anything to benefit their life, your words are fairly empty right now. But if you have served them, you've loved them, you've cared for them, you've gone out of your way to check on them, to help them, you've served them in some tangible way, and you say, hey, you you gotta check this out. Your words now have weight. Your words have credibility. So one of the things I want you to do, and I don't know, you might even, I don't know if you wanna do this. You could write your top five on your towel. You know, the top five, so for, in case you're new, we, we all have been working on a, a list we call our top five list, sometimes it gets more than five. But these are people, like I have my list on my phone, I pray for them every day at the same time. I have an alarm that goes off and I pray for them. Uh, while I'm praying now in, in June, I'm praying for our community and our community leaders and I'm praying for revival and I'm praying for our churches. Uh, one of those moments when that alarm goes off, I pray about those things, but I also pray about my top five list. But here's what I want you to do. And this is a challenge, whether you write them on the towel or not. I want you to be praying specifically for the ways that you can serve the people on your list. You know, maybe it's a couple that are neighbors. Maybe it's somebody that you work with. Maybe it's Maybe it's a family, your kids run the same team, it, but that's somebody on your list. Like you know that they need God, that you, you know they need a connection with him. So like specifically, be praying, God show me, open my eyes to how I can serve them. These are the people you put on my heart, so God show me how I can serve them so I can be more like Jesus, so they can see Jesus in a compelling, practical, tangible way. That's what I wanna be able to do, right? Check this out. In maturity, it goes, there's a process. We go from meet my needs to how can I meet the needs of others, here, here's what I mean. So you'll, you'll get this. At birth, we come into this world and basically everybody else on the planet is there to serve us, right? Wipe me, clean me, change me, feed me, hold me. It's all about me. When you're a baby, like you, you're, not, you're not delivering any product here I know know you can make a joke about the diaper, but I'm not, okay? You're you're not delivering anything that's a benefit to anybody else. You're just there to soak up what everybody else can help you with, right? That's baby stuff. As we mature, we should move away from that. A lot of people never do. They think that the people in our life are there just to meet their needs, to help them with their agenda, help them fulfill their vision. Maturity moves us from that to say, okay, how can I meet the needs of others? Yeah, being a parent on the other end of that whole process, it's an awakening, right? For those of you who are parents, like you have a kid and you're like, whoa, it's not all about me anymore. It it changes you. I I tell guys, when I'm talking to guys in particular, I say, okay, here's the deal. You get married, it's gonna change you. You become a parent, it's gonna transform you. Because now, like, your schedule changes. Like, your life changes, like, drastically, overnight, when that kid comes home, it's a major change. But when we grow, when we mature, we, we've gotta move from just meet my needs to I'm gonna be looking for other people's needs to meet. And we have the added benefit of saying, and when I meet someone else's needs, I get to be more like Jesus. And hopefully without fanfare, and without limelight, I'm actually just able to show them Jesus you know, in a new, fresh way. Later in the same chapter, Jesus says this. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than the master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, we're gonna do a test, and I'm gonna ask you a question, and there's, there's only one right answer, okay? But I'm gonna give you the options, and then you're gonna raise your hand on the right answer. Is everybody ready for this? Okay, school's supposed to be over. Some of you are in summer school, but here we go, a little test. Are we blessed... When we know it or when we do it? Okay, you ready? Here we go. How many think we are blessed because we know these things? Oh, you almost went for it, I saw that. How many think we're blessed because we do these things? There's an entire generation of Christians right now who I believe they think their sole purpose was to absorb information from the Bible and they're proud of the fact of how much they know. No, we're blessed when we do it. You know, I've had people tell me, oh, by the way, Pastor, uh, I really appreciate your teaching, but um, it's kind of simple. I really, want, I want to go somewhere where it can be deep. I can really get deep. I can really be fed. Oh, okay, oh, bye. You know, here, here's deep. Do it. Some people think deep is like parsing the verbs of different Greek words for hours well, that's fine as long as you figure out what you're supposed to do about it. Like, do it. Like, that, that's what he's telling us. We, we've gotta do, that. we gotta put this into action, right? Tony Evans, our, our life groups were watching the videos from Tony Evans this week. I love this one quote. He says, biblical or agape love is the decision to compassionately, responsibly, and righteously seek the well-being of another. So we said, Jesus did this, because of his humility, but if you remember the first couple of verses, it's because he loved them. He loved them to the end, right? And so that's why he was able to get down, grab a towel, and wash their feet. And then, listen to this. Jesus is talking. So now I'm giving you a new command. What does it say, everybody? Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should should love each other. I'm gonna, I'll come back to this one, sorry. Love each other. So he says, here's the new command, love each other. Jesus in another place says, you wanna sum up the whole Bible, love God and love your neighbor. So they're, they're all about love. And this one he's saying, you guys, you guys need to love each other and the way the church loves each other is gonna be a witness to everybody watching. But in other places, Jesus also said, I want you to love them. I want you to love your neighbor, Right? So, one of the things that we've done at our church over the last several years is we watch for and partner with local missions who are getting the job done. Right? So, My City Youth, Calicento um, Ranch, Valley Restart, we, we've, we've partnered with them. We financially help them. We send them volunteers. Uh, a lot of people will help and, and work with those things. We have a new one we're starting to partner with that I'm going to tell you about next week. Uh. It's just so fun to do that. Anyway, I am excited about this. I'll tell you a little bit of backstory next week and what happened and and what we did and how we're getting started with them. But anyway, it's very, very cool ministry locally. One one verse I skipped over in this whole thing. I, I didn't read the whole chapter, but I read the bulk of what happened in the beginning during the washing of feet. But here's this one thing. Peter protests. He goes, no, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And then Peter goes, "Okay, well then give me a bath." He says, "You don't need a bath. You just need your feet. Your feet are dirty. I'm just going to wash your feet." Peter's like that. I like Peter. He's like he says the wrong things, but he says them with gusto. Sometimes, right? I'm I'm like that. But when I read this, this is this is my thought. Peter has a pride problem. Hey, you're not going to wash my feet. Why? Because you're the king. That's not how it works. There's a pecking order, and you need to be here. And by the way, I want to be right there, too. Like, I'm still looking to be the greatest. I still want to be in this new kingdom, whatever it's going to be. I want to be on top. I want to be large and in charge. I want to be there. And so, Jesus, this is just wrong. You can't do this. Like, he literally was horrified at Jesus getting on the ground and washing everybody's feet. Because you can't wash my feet. The pride problem. And people today have the same issue when it comes to accepting the gift of Jesus on the cross. They can't put their head around that because there's a pride problem. What they want is they want to be able to earn it so they can say, look at me, look how good I am. I made it into heaven. I know that person didn't. no way, right? And so it's a pride thing. And we go there like way too easily. I wanted to come back to that just to remind you in a relationship with Christ. Yeah, no doubt about it, he's king. But he showed us what to do. And so our symbol, belonging to him, following him, is a towel, it's service. Like I said, I want you to be praying for your five or more. You'd be looking for ways that you could serve them. Keep your eyes open. And maybe, like I said, keep this somewhere in your house or in your car or near your garage like, as you leave so like you remember, I'm a servant. As a follower of Christ, that's who I am. And I wanna honor him and bless others because of him. If you're watching online and you just wanna talk to somebody, just email us at office@community.cc, at Or you can use the app too. We have a prayer request thing there or you're gonna let us know about a decision. Right here in this space, in this place, you wanna to talk to somebody after I'm done and I pray, just make your way to the top front and somebody will meet you here and pray with you. Or you can meet, meet us outside, there'll be people hanging out back there too. I just, I just think some really amazing things are about to happen in this community. So all of our churches that are cooperating in this, we're all praying for our valley three times a day, every day for the month of June. And if you didn't know about that, you can just start with this now, right? Start now and then tomorrow. Pray three times and the next day. Pray three times. Just pray. Pray for revival. Pray that these churches, you know, fill up with people who are hungry for God. Pray, pray for our city leaders and pray for our policemen and our, our firemen and our paramedics, our first responders. Pray, pray for our teachers and pray for the people who work in medical. It's like there's there's so many needs across our valley. And so just every day, just pick another group and pray for them, or pray for them multiple times throughout the day, whoever God puts on your heart. But as, but as we pray, let's just keep praying for those people that God has put in our life that we would serve them well, that we would show them Jesus. Pray, God, I know that um, it is sometimes hard to accept what you've done for us on the cross, maybe because we're proud. I, I pray, God, we can just set that aside. Any, any of us who are struggling with like, letting Jesus be in charge or in control, that we could we could let go of ourselves in order to grab a hold of you. God, for all of us who who call ourselves Christians, who walk with you, God, may we be servants. May people see in us something unique, something that we're not we're not climbing just to get to the top. We're literally helping people everywhere we go along the way. And maybe we get to be a boss or a CEO or whatever it is. Even in those roles, man, we can serve like Jesus did. Just to do that, honor you, and to draw people to you. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. There's ice cream outside. Love you.